0: A brilliant goal from Emmy Buendia, four points clear at the top of the Championship table. As the season reaches its halfway point, not a bad way to start a new year. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. We're looking back on City's 1-0 home win over Barnsley. Dave Freezer here alongside Connor Southwell and Paddy Davitt. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM and Happy New Year to you all um, in these strange times but at least Norwich back to winning ways and giving us something to smile about. Um, Pad, Connor, we're going to have fun talking about the goal so I, I think we should just, let's just dive straight into it. Pad, where where does that rank in terms of Emmy Buendia's goals so far? Because he, he has scored some crackers, isn't he? But as, as this one hit the back of the net, it was a... Well, obviously, it's, your, your mind goes to us. Oh, it's so crap that fans aren't here to enjoy this because it would have lifted the roof off carra Road. But the technique was just beautiful, wasn't
1: it? Oh, yeah. Everything about a goal was absolute top draw, far higher threshold than you, you would normally associate with the Championship. I'd take it right back. You know, as good as Buendia's movement and finish was, you know, Kenny McLean's move inside. And then to execute that pass, I mean, Buendia hasn't really had... He's just before the ball's landed. He's You can just see him adjusting his feet to get the perfect connection. But really, it was into his path. And uh, that ball's travelled a long way. And uh, credit to Kenny McLean as well, who I thought was excellent yesterday as well. But uh, yeah, Daniel, I thought Daniel was spot on, Daniel Farcraft, in the game. He, he He reminded me of his first goal in England, which was the other end of the pitch at the river end against Brentford. And it was for anybody who's who's forgotten, it was a long ball, more central than McLean, but from Tim closer. And it's basically he's ran through keeper to beat one touch finish uh, on the volley and, and, you know, very similar. Again, I think this was probably better because it was on the angle slightly. Um, You know, the Bristol city goal has been comparisons with that earlier in the season. Um, Daniel talked about a goal at Bolton two seasons ago as well. Yeah, I mean it's just another for the show reel, but it just the lines right here, right now, he's in a, an absolutely wonderful vein of form and a cut above anything in the championship, I think, uh, and hence why he's getting linked with moves. Sadly, because we're in 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 the January transfer window now, but we'll get into that in due course. But as as a as a move, as a as a goal, it was really uh, you know absolutely top draw, and it probably needed something like that because. Barnsley were very good, uh, despite having two or three players missing through cor- coronavirus-related issues. Notably, their captain, Alex Mauer, very influential figure, central midfield. Um, they were more than a match and uh, probably could have got something right at the end. Big chance for Michael Hellick. Uh, but, you know, in a tight game like that, you need a moment of inspiration and a moment of magic. And there's no one better than Emmy Buendia.
0: Absolutely. It felt sort of box office to me. I've... Uh... Done our player watch on him. That's at pinkin.com. You can have a read of that. And when when things go well with the player watch, it's always really enjoyable to put together. So do take a look at that. But I I was just telling Paddy and Connor before we started recording. So I'll repeat for you guys. I I worked out a bit of maths. Now, there's only so much you want to read into this, of course, because we don't know what will happen the second half of the season. But at the moment, Wendy is averaging a goal every 2.7 games and an assist every 3.1 games. So if he keeps that going and plays for the remainder twenty three remaining 23 games and he's on target for 15 goals and 13 assists, which would exceed quite comfortably what James Madison did before he got his big money moved to Leicester. So that sort of illustrates it. But as Pad says, they've, they've got to get through January with him still a Norwich City player and things like that. But before we come to that transfer issue, Connor, how, just how much did, did you enjoy the goal? Oh it was it was superb wasn't it? it was um it was like a
2: piece of art, I think in in terms of how it was crafted <laughs> not 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 just the finish as well. It was a wonderful pass from Kenny McLean, which I think he's got lost a little bit um but also a really clever bit of of movement from Todd campwell as well to pull the defender away and create the space but this is this is exactly what we wanted to see from Emmy Wendier. It's him running beyond the defense and getting himself into goal scoring opportunities and from there with his talent, with his technique and with his ability, he he has the capability to to pull off a bit of skill like that. And I think he, he was probably the only player on the pitch that probably could have done that. Um, and and like like Pad said, and, and like you say, it's such a difficult skill to pull off when you're on the run as well. You're running sort of in the opposite direction and meeting the ball at, at one place to then have the accuracy and control to put that into the net. It's uh it's an absolutely superb bit of skill. And you know, you you sort of mentioned the James Madison stuff. I just had a quick look at uh, two other creators who have been regarded in championship seasons gone by as, as, as brilliant Jack Grealish at, at Villa and we all know what, he, what he's doing at the moment and he, he was injured as, as we kind of spoke about before recording um, in his last season but he's on track so far to surpass his numbers and also Pablo Hernandez last year who scored nine goals and got nine assists as well in 36 games I mean Bendy is already sort of two off on, on both goals and assists so, so he's, he's he's up there really with with some of those creators that have been really lauded in the championship and still 23 years of age you, you just feel like the sky is the limit for him and um, increasingly in my mind and, and and performances like yesterday don't necessarily help I think I would be shocked if he's not a a Norwich player come the end of January, but I think come the end of the summer, even if Norwich did get promoted, it's very difficult to foresee a situation where he's a a Norwich City player. But every time I've viewed that goal, and and I'm probably close to double figures now, it it seems to get better with every viewing, really. a wonderful player it's I've said it before and I'll say again, it's, a, it's a real travesty he's playing at this level because he's he's far too good for it but um, let's hope for Norwich City's perspective that they, they manage to get a full season out of him again at this level because as you said there the metrics he can produce from here are, are
0: pretty scary yeah, it, we're starting to see what I think all Norwich fans had hoped to see in, in that he had the potential to be the best player in the championship. And he's now threatening to to become that, isn't he? Or, or to prove it almost. And and when you think that's off the back of a sort of broken pre-season, he was suspended and then he had the injury. Uh, he also had that the red card earlier in the season, didn't he? But I, I remember writing for my column on the day of the Bristol City game. Something along the lines of um, it's good to see Buendia smiling again because he just felt like he was starting to warm up. And then, of course, he scores that goal that day, which was nice timing. But ever since then, he's been so prolific in terms of goal contributions that it just feels like every game he's progressing and improving and just looks that bit happier. And and you've got to give Farquhar a lot of credit as well, I think, because we've heard him how many times this season have we heard talking about Buendia and Campwell really in particular or all the attacking midfielders that he wants them running in behind he wants them offering that threat because it also opens up more space for Pukki and Buende is showing that every week isn't he he's, le- he's doing what his head coach wants and he's developing into a really good player and, and although I, I do agree with what you just said Connor I think he, in the long run and um, the same as probably Cantwell hopefully by the end of the season he's going to be better for this season as Grealish was and if he does well he I'd say it's pretty certain he will be a top flight player again next year, one way or another, unless something goes wrong in the second half of the season. I think he will have sort of developed and flourished into, into sort of his full capability with, with probably more, more to come. Um, but the, the other element of this pad then, which you know, Daniel was asked about after the game, Um we've got Arsenal fans crawling all over social media and, and our websites and things at the moment, haven't we? Because they're, they're in their interest has been peaked, shall we say. Um, but I think as as we entered this transfer window, we we all knew that short of a very very good offer coming in um, from a, from one of the big boys, um, it's unlikely that Wendy is going to be leaving, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean Norwich's position will be very clear. Um, you can draw a parallel with Jamal Lewis and Liverpool. However, interested Liverpool were, you know, but they they got short shrift when uh, they did pick up. Well, emailed as it was, uh, Stuart Webber with a an offer that was way below what Norwich's valuation of the player was. So take that template, overlay it onto Buendia. If no no club, either here or abroad, come to Stuart Webber in January with uh, an actual firm offer that is anywhere near their the valuation of a player with still three years left on his contract, it's worth reiterating, then he won't go anywhere. Um, and also, of course, in these sagas there's moving parts in terms of what the player wants and the player's representative but you get the sense um that he's really enjoying his football you know Daniel talked about his attitude and his maturity as well you referenced Bournemouth and really from that point to now it's it it feels like he really has got his head down and just working hard and letting everything else a bit like Max Ahrens did through last summer with all that speculation and the Barcelona interest that'll take care of itself you just focus on what you need to do on the pitch and the rest will follow. So if he's in a good place in terms of his head and, and you maxed up those scenarios, I wouldn't disagree. I think whether Norwich are in the Premier League or not next season, he will be in the Premier League, you would imagine. And uh, if that is the case, we're talking at most another three or four months um, before he's potentially another Premier League player, either with Norwich or somebody else on the back of what he's done for Norwich in the Championship. So I, I think... Maybe maybe the Emmy Buendia of six, twelve, eighteen months ago might not look in such mid to longer terms. But I, I think clearly the family issue as well—that's a factor. You know, he's he's about to become a father for the second time. That I'm sure is 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 adding to to the maturity that he's showing now on the pitch, keeping that temperament under control, that sort of rising temperature. Um, but maybe the Stoke game when he got himself sent off that night. But I think all all. All the elements that matter in something like this would suggest that he's not going anywhere in January. Um, and Connor touched on it at the start as well, underpinning everything is the times we live in and, and the room clubs have financially to manoeuvre in this window, which is a very tight, constricted window at the best of times in January, where players don't tend to be available because teams are either going as an archer for promotion or they're trying to stave off maybe relegation at the other end of, of respective leagues. So... Um, you piece everything together. It's very hard to see a scenario where Emmy Boyenda isn't a Norwich player come February the first. And so, ho- hopefully, if that is the case, then we can just then sit back and watch a bit more of that man's magic um, in the defining phase of the championship season.
0: Yeah, and and savor it as well. Because one of the one of the things I think we all love about Emmy is his enthusiasm for the game, isn't he? He loves. The, the defensive work as much as the attacking stuff. He loves to be the star of the show, but he, he loves getting stuck in as well, doesn't he? And Although he, he did get a rollicking from Tim Krull in the first half yesterday because he was slow coming back and Max Aaron sort of joined in as well. But And then he sort of rubbed his head and said, oh, well, the, the keeper caught me. But... He was just trotting back, wasn't he? But he didn't do it again in the game. Crawl definitely had a bit of an impact there, and um, it, it is great to great to watch him play. So we shall see. But Connor, to, not an easy question, but it's one that Stuart Weber could end up being um, a question that could be posed to Stuart Weber this month. Where's the starting point in terms of valuation? I mean, I, I can't see, I can't see them even considering anything. Uh, less than a deal that starts at 30 million because of the type of player he is. He's worth a lot more than a, than a Ben Godfrey potentially because of, because of his goal output and creation and things like that. But r- realistically, I I can't see that sort of money coming in for a championship player, but I don't know. I mean, that the, the reaches a point where, you know, if someone offers 40 million and it's, I don't know, just picking a club out around Manchester city it's then very difficult to say no to the player. It's very difficult to say no to the club because that money would be, uh, would have a significant impact on Norwich City, wouldn't it? It would almost mean that if they didn't get promotion, they would have financial security.
2: This Yeah, this is it. And I, I think we are sort of in, it, it would take something, it would take a record transfer fee, wouldn't it? Essentially for I think, surpassing, as, as you mentioned there, Ben Godfrey's um, deal that, that saw him move to Everton and, I think Norwich fans, again, there there would be a point, and you said there, a scenario where a particular club comes in with a particular price where it would be very difficult to begrudge him a move. But equally, I think Norwich at the moment and Stuart Webber at the moment have to sort of weigh up what he's worth to them as well. And and there is this kind of added incentive of, of of, of gaining promotion back to the Premier League and the financials involved with that that means probably it is more costly in in the position Norwich are in. They're not in mid table, the Premier League's far away and they can't foresee that sort of money coming in. So they they really are in, in a strong position because, um, that, that money in terms of what they're going to get from the Premier League, uh, if, if they get back there, will be so valuable. Um, and, and he's key to helping them get to that. So their their valuation may well be in excess of, of what the current transfer market is, which is a little bit deflated and and in some cases, maybe a, a little bit underpriced at the moment for players that were going for 20 million, maybe now going for, for 10 or 15. And, and that's the nature of it. Um, but I, I can't see Norwich Buckley on this because if the market does recover, when it does recover... Um, you've got a player there that is going to be worth a a silly amount of money. So I I don't think it it would particularly help the message to fans in terms of promotion and the messaging if if they then went and sold him for, let's say 15 million, which is of course the figure that that some Arsenal fans have been getting very excited about. Um, There's no chance of Norris selling him. No chance. 15 million, absolutely not. Um, I think it would take at least double that. So in terms of valuation, it's, it's difficult because obviously we're not privy to sort of the state of the market, but Um, you would think it would be a a record fee really that that Norwich would be demanding um, probably well in excess of what they got for Ben Godfrey it's just very difficult I don't think this is going to be a market where clubs are awash with with cash anyway I think it's it's probably one similar to the summer where we'll we'll see sort of loans and obligations to buy and and options to buy etc and I mean for for Norwich City that's an absolute non-starter at this stage so um, as Paddy said, there it's very difficult to see a team, regardless of size, coughing up the money that Norwich City would want to depart with Emi Buendia, especially given the context of what promotion is worth to them. So, um, yeah, I, I understand some supporters wanting to lock him away for the month, but I, I don't think that that will be yeah, that'll be necessary in truth.
0: Yeah, if one of the many. Clickbaity little Arsenal blogs and websites are listening to this, hoping for some little bit of insight. There's your nice clear line. You're not getting Emmy Buendia for anywhere near £15 million. Pounds. You can quite be on it. Right. Uh, let's move on. I think that's chapter and verse on Emmy. Pad, um, the, the the big things uh, ahead of kickoff, two changes. Tim Krull back in. Uh, the goalkeeper situation is obviously being a, a big issue building into this game. But Daniel also brings in Ben Gibson, and uh, they keep a clean sheet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'd be quick to tell their other teammates it was down to them. And, um, <laughs> you know, why not? Because certainly Tim Krul, no disrespect to Michael McGovern, but, you know, he'd be the first to say that Tim Krul is a far better influence keeper, uh, both on this team and in the Championship in general. Daniel's called him the best in the business in this league and... um And I don't think there's too many would dispute that, even beyond the the boundaries of Norwich City support and fan base. But uh, didn't really have to do too much shot stopping wise yesterday. But where he did come into his own for me was that kind of frenetic last 10, 15 minutes where just his calmness and his experience and his composure. And Daniel talked about this uh, very well after the game. He just exudes a a level of trust amongst the rest of his defenders, the rest of his team that they know he's behind them. and they know, if required, he'll be there. And, and more often than not, he will step up. And uh, what, a, what a reassurance that must give the rest of that team to see him run out yesterday afternoon. And uh, Michael McGovern, obviously, probably, I think, bar this hamstring tendon injury, I think they're probably, in their mind, they would have probably wanted him to play one more game yesterday and then bring Tim back, maybe, for the FA Cup. Ty so Daniel said after the game, yes, they were reasonably confident, but there was just a little bit at the back of their minds, including Tim crawler that am I still am I physically at a level now after nine games out um, to get through 90 minutes? So, you know, there, there was a gamble element to it, albeit a small gamble. But, you know, his kicking was the one area, I think, pre-match. They, they were a bit concerned about the longer long kicking in terms of that fire injury and testing that out. But I, I felt he was quite measured in his kicking uh, off the floor from, from longer range. I don't think he was really putting his foot through it. Um, so, So there was still an element where he was a bit maybe concerned, understandably, about the injury. But... Daniel said he came through OK. Um, we just hope the next two or three days there's no, there's no adverse reaction to that first outing in since late November because I wrote about him. My point is, you know, it wasn't just big for this weekend. Having him back is big for the weeks and months ahead because he is such an influential figure uh, in that dressing room, on that pitch, around the club. And uh, Ben Gibson, to a lesser extent, maybe. But um, I, I think there wasn't too many uh, unsurprised after... Christoph Zimmerman's error for the penalty against QPR. That he came back in. I think he probably could have come back in for that game. But Daniel, maybe in the whole context of the injuries, just felt give him a few more days. Um, but we saw what him and Hanley were putting together before he got injured. You know, and we saw elements of that. fought again yesterday when they needed to in the final analysis, they were very strong. They're very cool and calm in possession and building the play. And they just look... Of those three players Daniel's got available, That senior centre-backs, they look the best pairing for me. You know, you've got the balance with the left footer and the right footer. They've got all the experience in the world of what it takes at this level. Um, and I also like as well Gibson's vocal presence. You know, you can hear him probably because there's no fans in the stadium, but he's constantly cajoling. We talked about Buendia. He's getting him back in position at set pieces. And, um, and I think he offers a little bit more than probably Zimmerman does in that aspect as well. So... Yeah, for me, two two very welcome returns and Norwich will only be stronger for it. And of course, the end product was a clean sheet and it won't be the last one if that back four, obviously there's a debate now with Quinty Fit in terms of him or Sorensen, but you keep the majority of those lads together for the rest of the season, I think there'll be plenty more clean sheets as well.
0: Yeah, I said similar about that balance. I mean, it's a, It almost it feels a little bit unfair on Zimbo that that's the reason that he's getting out of the team, but just Hanley and and Gibson as a right footer and a left footer, it just just feels like it has a better balance and um I think that's that's probably considered first choice now. Uh, and cruel that for me I just you know, McGovern does shout and, and, and did did offer a bit of leisure and stuff, but cruel bellows doesn't he (laughs) he really is loud and and I guess that comes down to confidence when you when you are a Holland international you're as experienced as he is you're the reigning player of the season you know exactly how Daniel Farrell wants to play he's got the confidence to just go and Bark all those players. He doesn't care if anyone b- bites back. Him. He's Tim Crawl. No, Emmy, go and do what I want you to do. He, he which is great, isn't it? That's that to, to to have a keeper that offers that sort of leadership is uh, has been a massive part of what's happened with Norwich and Crawl. So um, that's been that's been great to see. Right. So next week's the Coventry game. We'll come on to that game uh, later in sort of the second part of the pod. But while we're on the keepers, Connor, obviously Daniel's sort of said that they are now in the market for a keeper because McGovern's going to probably miss the majority of the rest of the season. I just wonder whether it might make sense to leave Krull out of the Coventry game or leave him on the bench and play Daniel Barden just to give him that little bit of extra time to make sure that thigh is Okay, because he's so important to the second half of the season, they really. I, I was nervous every time he had to keep the ball. I have to admit. So, wh- where would you stand on him playing next week? Yeah, I, f- I think I'd be
2: in agreement. I think. I think the only sort of flip side to that is is maybe if if Tim himself feels that he needs a, a bit more game time, then that's a good opportunity for him to to get it in a game that maybe isn't. Going to be as as pressurised as as some of the league campaigns, so there's there's that side to it as well. Um, but but yeah, I think it would be really beneficial for Dan Barden if he is going to be the number two, which I think mean there's there's probably a bit more of a debate on. Um, whilst whilst Michael McGovern's out, I, I can see them sort of delving into the. free agent market uh did sort of have a look at some of the names last night um a couple really stood out to me which was rob elliott who was who's at newcastle 34 years of age um i'm kind of labeling this as the lee camp signing if you want to put it like that someone um to come and do a job between now and the season like like he did uh one of you have to remind me of the year but uh it was it was a few years ago wasn't it and um Ben Anik as well, who's who's at the club before, I think on loan. When he's quite a young keeper, he's, he's out of contract as well. So beyond that, there's not too many domestic options in terms of a short-term stopgap till the end of the season, which is which is probably what they're going to look at. So if if that is the case, then maybe you do want to expose Dan Barden to a bit of football with the view that he is going to be the number two for the next three or, or, or four months whilst McGovern gets his gets his hamstring solved. So um, with that in mind, that there's going to be few opportunities for him to really. Get that opportunity to, to to play, and 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 this FA Cup, again, maybe is a fixture that if you're a head coach, and we know how strong Daniel Farker likes to, to take the competition, given the schedule this year, given the the injury crisis that they've they've sort of come the other side of, you're you be looking at it as uh, an opportunity for rotation, opportunity to bed some of those players that are back from injury, with, with the view that actually maybe having um, uh, less fixtures or fewer fixtures is, um, is is maybe not the worst thing in the world. So. There's that side to it as well. But I, th- I think it, it depends on Cruel and how he feels. Like, like Pad says, I think if after a few days there's no adverse reaction and, and he feels like he wants a, a bit more game time, then it, it makes sense, I guess, to, to keep him in that. But it, it would be good for him to get two weeks to probably um, sort of nurse that injury, make sure he is 100% for the game against Cardiff in a couple of weeks, which, as we know, having watched Cardiff recently, oh, it's going to yeah. be very physical. It's going to be about claiming crosses and competing. So, um, I can see the pros and cons i would probably lean towards giving giving dan barden a go in goal i have to say
0: while um i'm with you i i, I hate to call you our brexit man because <laughs> well let's stick that to the, the brexit football regulations but also my sort of instinct was would, would this goalkeeper signing allow them to look for next season's number two almost um but because of the new brexit rules coming in. Looking at, say, the German market, say, a good, experienced, second-tier goalkeeper that Farker thinks can, could fill that role, just as an example, it's not really an option now, is it?
2: No, it isn't. And uh, we've, we've probably not, not, not got enough time on this podcast to go through the whole regulations. But there is a, a threshold now. They need to get 15 points to get a work permit. There's different ways of doing that. But essentially, the easiest way to do it is to play in a top league, to be a regular international Um and to play in, in in a European competition, it's why South America has suddenly become a, a much more attractive market. And I think we'll see clubs go to Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, because there there will be players that have played for a uh, South American youth side and under twenty one side that also make the bench of the Copper Libertadores or or other competitions and um and 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 play a relative amount to take them over that threshold, which is interesting because that's not necessarily a market that's been opened up before, but. Again, the reverse effect of that is if, you, if you're if you a player in the Bundesliga too, and we know that's been a market that Norwich have shopped in um, quite regularly in, in the last few years, then that's very difficult because how many full internationals are, are playing there. So it, it does make it more difficult in, in some regards in terms of the, the more natural markets that Norwich have shopped in. Um, which again would probably lean me towards saying that, that just for a stock gap to the end of the season, they probably would look at a, a domestic free transfer rather than someone that maybe from abroad because of these new regulations and, and issues. But um, it's highly confusing. There's a, a, an article about it on pinkin.com which explains it in a bit more depth, but um, yeah, it takes into percentage all sorts, like how much they've played in European competitions. But if they're qualifiers, then they get half the amount of points and it's, um, it's a minefield really. So there are some markets now which aren't going to be as available to them as, as they were beforehand. There are going to be other markets that are now available to them that would never have been available before. So I, I kind of put it like this. You're you're probably more likely to be able to sign a top flight player from Mali than a player from the second division in, in Germany. So that kind of sums up the, the regulations and where we are at the minute. So in terms of getting a goalkeeper from, from the second division probably very, very unlikely, apart from maybe a special circumstance. But then those special circumstances are often the first choices anyway. And, of course, the flip side of that is that clubs will know that English um, clubs have a limited pool of players. So that their players are now going to come at a premium as well because physically, Premier, particularly Premier League clubs, but also Championship clubs as well, aren't going to be able to to shop in other markets. So um, incredibly confusing. It does feel like it's it's going to hold back. A lot of what Norwich City have tried to do in the last three years, but um, it's it's all about adaptation. I think the teams that adapt the best will 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 do the best. But if you want a prediction from me, it's that Norwich and and probably Brentford will end up shopping in Colombia, um, Argentina, and, and, and Brazil in the next few
0: years. I would say. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, interesting little spot that Rob Elliott's a free agent, though. I didn't didn't realize that. I mean, if he is fit, then he would sound like a, a good option because he had a good spell with Newcastle for a while, didn't he? But um, anyway, uh, back to the game, Pad and um, Pookie and Campwell both had plenty of chances to make this much more comfortable. It seems after every every, every win, we end up talking about, oh well, it should have been three or four nil. They, they are going to spank someone at some point, aren't they? But again. Yeah. again this unfortunately Ipswich aren't in the division this year so that hasn't (laughs) helped but um, (laughs) uh, again this wasn't that game and uh, I I have seen a bit of criticism for Campwell, which I I think is a bit unfair when you consider the uh, opportunities that he has had in that game yeah of of course he should have scored one he knows that there was also some lovely skill from him in the mix wasn't there
1: yeah Uh, yeah I was a bit surprised to see that overnight really on various social platforms um I think he's growing in influence in this team actually. Since you know, again, a bit like um, uh, you know, the focus was reset and he got past those fitness issues he had. Because particularly way Barnes he played yesterday, the high press, very aggressive, very in your face, uh, real intensity to their play. To so have a player who is able to do it and be willing to take the ball in tight spaces and try trick or treat to in the right areas with the caveat, you know, you don't want to be doing that on the edge of your own box, which was unfortunately talking about Wendy's development. Some of the things he was guilty of in seasons past playing in the wrong areas, those type of tricks. Um, yeah, no, for me, well, I thought that was a, that was another very decent performance uh, in the link of quite a few decent performances. Now, I think the, the Pookie chance he's put too much on that ball that he's faced back across the box. And Daniel even thought he was probably too selfless anyway. And maybe he should have had the shot himself. Um, you know, there was one or two other shots, the keepers made a save, so he's hit the target, there was there was a volley from an Aaron's cross in the first half, which you, you'd think with his technique he should have been able to keep that under the bar at the far post, but on another day he walks off that pitch and, and it's Cardiff again, it's goals and assists, so yeah, no, I'm a bit baffled by, by the levels of criticism directed towards him, um, there's no doubt in my mind that he has cemented that place on the left-hand side now, and again, we're not, hopefully talking about him and transfer sort of speculation too much this month, but if they, if they keep him in the building uh, and he retains that level of focus, there's no doubt for me at this level, he can influence games. And, uh, you know, I I think any criticism of him is a a little bit wider than Mark actually on, on the evidence of yesterday's performance. Certainly.
0: Yeah. If, if he's not getting those chances, if he's not getting into those positions, then, then fair enough. Um, But, you know, he, he was very close. You know, if he scores one of those, or, or two of them, he gets man at the match instead of Buendia, doesn't he? So I, 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 I don't know. I just, it just seems like an easy criticism to go after Todd. Uh, again, we've, how many times have we talked about this? You know, the sort of the local lad, the homegrown thing, there seems to be uh, almost a harsher expectation put on his shoulders and things like that. But uh, hopefully, I mean, when, when you were talking about Buendia earlier, I think we've seen, well, when I spoke to Todd after the, 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 the Cardiff game, he, he said, didn't he, that he now realizes very much that it's what you do on the pitch that matters. and, he he loves playing football and just wants to to crack on with doing that. So hopefully he's now reaching the age, you know, he's still a young man, still what twenty two, that he is, you know, got a thicker skin and he can ignore social media and he can ignore criticism and things like that because. We all know he's good. He knows he's good. He knows that he could have a Premier League future if he can just crack on with a a good spell of form and and fitness. So um, I hope that he doesn't take any of that sort of criticism to heart because uh, he was very close to what could have been a man of the match performance. But it just didn't just didn't work out for him. Um, There was a a slight late scare. There wasn't there, Connor, Um, which um, (laughs) which brought a uh, how could I put it? absolutely furious reaction from Daniel Farker in the fourth minute of injury time when almost exactly like the QPR game they managed to they, they very nearly conceded what uh, well it would have been equaliser this time that would have been um losing the game to QPR wouldn't it a few days earlier um but yeah he was uh, apoplectic wasn't he yeah he really was and I
2: just just before I sort of speak about his anger, I mean the the fortunes with Norwich. Well, you can tell the fortunes with Norwich currently because, as you said, two essentially open goals that, that haven't been converted. I can't remember the last time I've seen successive open goals in in, in two games that that have both been missed. So um, that probably shows where Norwich City are at the moment. But yeah, it, it wasn't, and it was almost a, a carbon copy of what Brighton uh, say Samuel had on, on on Tuesday night but from the other side um maybe maybe this was probably um a bit further out and maybe a bit more of a difficult chance but it comes from a long ball doesn't it a header that gets picked up and then across to the back post um so that that is that is a slight concern I, I kind of felt yesterday that it was a a big game of risk and reward between two very well coached sides anyway Barnsley were looking to press and set traps and would, by doing that they gave themselves a very high line um and Norwich tried to play long and, and push their fullbacks up, and by doing that, they leave spacing behind. So it, it's kind of at times a byproduct of, of how both sides play, um, particularly Norwich. And I, I think maybe that's why Jacob Sorensen has uh, or Daniel Farke stuck with Jacob Sorensen in, in that position because there is actually a bit more of a defensive emphasis on on his game as opposed to maybe Max Aaron's, whose first thought is to get forward and to join the attack. And I mean, he's coached to do that, so so he's he's, he's not by any means wrong, um, but what it does do is is when the ball gets turned over quickly it does create space for players and teams can double up on, on that side particularly because of how narrow Buendia and Cantwell play, so um, yeah, it should be clear better how Helic doesn't score I'll, I'll never know, I think he probably doesn't know, um, but equally it, it again feeds into the point we, we may, I think on another day we're probably looking at a game that's 4-2 um, rather than 1-0, but Norwich will take the clean sheet, I don't think that Max Aaron's will beat himself up too badly about it. Daniel Farker, as you said, uh, used some some choice language that was uh, that was audible for everyone. I think in 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 Carrow Road at the time, um, a big let off and, and and let's get let's get it right. Despite the clean sheets, there is still. Some defensive vulnerabilities that that they do need to to sort of stamp out of their game. That will take time, especially after how many goals they conceded last season, um, and the style of football that they try and play. Sometimes it is a byproduct of that. Um, but equally, if if they want to get up and, and they want to stay there, as Daniel Fark was spoken about in the past, then it has to come from a bit more of a defensive base. And in the Championship, you don't necessarily get punished for these chances. In the Premier League, you definitely do. And if they do want to ensure that they become a, a, a top flight side an established top flight side if you want to if you want to describe it like that then ensuring that they cut out the the good quality of chances they're conceding will, will be pivotal to that I think and um, maybe just lends to possibly a bit more of a tweak to the fullbacks but then would you want to lose max Ahrens' attacking play as well it's it's a difficult dilemma it's a difficult trade-off but the main thing is they they won another game and 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 this is probably a debate for another day so um hopefully once daniel calmed down and uh, and and the full time whistle blew um he uh, he he managed to
0: to to calm down a little bit and and enjoy the win which shows how important it, it will be in the second half of the season to start converting more of the chances because their conversion rate is is quite low i worked out a couple of weeks ago. i, I can't remember it off the top of my head but they were certainly in the bottom half of the table for chance conversion but you can sort of look at that in two ways can't you because they also create the most chances by far in the division and have the most shots and things like that so it's kind of as as you say a byproduct of, of their style but it was weird in the stadium of course I was lucky enough to be in the stadium at the final final whistle um the players are almost sheepishly going off the pitch thinking we got away with one there, haven't we? And a bit worried about the uh, roasting they're about to get from Daniel for for nearly sort of shooting themselves in in the foot. Um, and also, if you watch the um, if you watch the Sky Sports highlights package, they could do with a bleep right at the end of their their video because you can hear exactly what Farker says about a second after the chance flies past the back post. And uh, yeah, it, it could have done with a, with a bleep. Right, uh, just second part of the pod, then we will start looking ahead to Saturday's game against Coventry. Paddy's boys, of, of course, FA Cup third round, midday kickoff at Carrow Road. Um, I think we, we can all sort of uh, start this off by saying that I don't think any Norwich fans care about the FA Cup this year. It's all, it's all about uh, the championship, isn't it? Um, and any... Uh, m- Good stories and good points that it brings um, are very welcome. But if they go out, I don't think anyone's going to be um, crying too many tears. Um, But, Pad, before this game, we sort of had a bit of a catch up with uh, the injury situation and the players who've been out for a while, haven't we? And this game feels like it comes at a really nice point for for a lot of players who could really do the rest with, you know, your Pookies, Aarons, Hanley, etc. And quite a few players who who are looking for minutes.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It could be better timed. It would feel um, particularly, obviously, very congested season for reasons we already know. But you're coming off then the back of a festive period, which has been even more concertinaed in terms of the fixtures and the demands on the players. So, essentially, now he's got two weeks before they go to Cardiff in the league. Um, as you say, the key players need to be put to the side. Um, given some days off, I think, as well, wouldn't be a bad shout. And, uh the space is filled by the likes of um, from taking Daniel's lead on Friday when he was previewing the the, the balancing game, but did give us an idea of where the longer term injuries were. Lucas Rob, he's going to be um, back in training properly this week. Had this ongoing hamstring issue, really only had a little cameo at Watford, still complained of some pain in that area. They have scanned it, nothing untoward on the scan, so. Um, It's just a reset, I think, with him. A few days of individual work, Daniel said on Friday, and then they will build him back into team training this week. He will be involved against Coventry, barring any setback in the days ahead. Marco Stieperman falls into the same category. He's had, to recap this, well, originally this ear infection, but from that he's had issues with his balance uh, week to week, Um, You know, pains in his neck, um, just not felt right. So they took the decision before Christmas, just pull him out of the firing line try and get to, to a point where um, he's pain-free from those issues. Um, and again, from what Daniel said on Friday, individual training at present, but could be involved against commentary. And then, interestingly, I thought there was a little bit of a, a tease about Bali Mumba and Onel Hernandez as well. I think we've seen Onel jogging around the pitches and some of the videos they've put out in the last sort of seven days or so. Uh, Barley Mumba is also at that stage light training, um Obviously, recapping with him, it was the knee that he did in training. He just did, went awkwardly over and did his knee ligaments, uh, having obviously come to prominence with that cameo in the win over Swansea. Um, Onel had that adductor issue, had to get surgery on that. Has been out a bit longer. But both of those, it sounds like if they really, uh, you know, have a good week's training behind them, could be in contention for maybe the 18, which would be great, great news really. If you've got four players there who've not really had any football at all in in recent times, Rupp to a lesser extent, but certainly the other three, um, if you could accommodate them. And then you've obviously got Pujeta came back on Saturday. He's been off with a hamstring issue. He's not played a lot of games recently, so he needs football. Uh, Kieran Dow would fall into that category. Jordan Hugel, and we talked about the keeper situation. Maybe it's an opportunity to give Grant Hanley a bit of a breather, bring Zimbo back in. Um, Quintia maybe gets the nod instead of Sorensen. It really is given where Daniel has has had to go with this, quite an enviable position, I think, going into the Cove game, which, as you rightly say, Dave, isn't the be-all and end-all. But still, in terms of momentum, it would be nice just to progress. But probably more importantly is those players I've just mentioned, get them some game time, get them some minutes, try and get them back into their rhythm for the real business when that starts the following week at Cardiff. So in contrast to to where Daniel's been with no Tim Krul for nine games, uh, and no real rent left back for two and a half months. Um, games where they didn't have a striker or senior striker available is now in, in a quite an enviable position, it would seem, at this stage of the week. Obviously, pays to not get too carried away with Norwich and injuries and fitness, but uh, certainly he didn't report any issues from the Barnsley game. So, full steam ahead for Coventry and, and probably quite a considerable number of changes to the starting eleven. I think it's uh, safe to assume.
0: Yeah. And, and then Byram and Eda sort of later in the month as well, aren't they? So hopefully back in the mix. So, Connor, if we go through the team, I mean, we already talked about the keeper. I, I think we both sort of agreed that Barden probably makes more sense at this stage. Although they have got a week, so they could get the new man in, I suppose, the new keeper, if it, if it's somebody who's sort of in a bit of a rhythm of being able to play. So, yeah, keeper's done. The only problem position I'm really seeing is, is who could cover for Max. You know, you'd need Mumba to be able to start for, for Max to get a rest. And you know, Max has played the most minutes of anyone. So I think it's essential that he does get a rest. But I mean, you know, if you, if you stick with the usual shape, I think Zimmerman, Gibson, Kintia, the rest of the defense. I'd like to see Sorensen and Rupp as the midfield, Martin, Steeperman, and Pojeta behind Hugel. That's, that's your team. If things go well, hopefully you can even get Omar toy and Omabamadele or Makalea or, you know, some of the young lads at a few minutes. But as we know from the Portsmouth game during the title winning season, you know, you can't just. Wander into an FA Cup game and, and expect to win it, as Grant Hanley found out to his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I'm sure he won't for, won't forget with that red card against Pompey. But um, yeah, the, the, the right back one, I just can't, I can't quite sus unless he
2: decides to to put Lucas Rupp there. I guess. Um... It's yeah. kind of been kind of inspired. You know, Sonali skip, um, play as a, a wing back as well. So maybe that that's an option. But even he's played a lot of football, hasn't he? So you, you probably want to drop him out as well and uh, and give him a week to recover. That's yeah, that's a difficult one. Unless Mumba is is fully there, I guess the other option is is that they try something maybe with a a free at the back and, and maybe do play on Mbamadile as well and uh, and go to wing backs. But I can't really see Daniel changing the the shape radically, if I'm honest. Although Kov do play a uh, a free yeah. at the back, don't they? So I suppose it would match them up. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I, th- I think probably you, you're probably asking Max to go again, aren't you? Which is incredibly difficult if you're seeing Emi Buendia and, and Timi Puki and that I get given a few days off. But um, that that might be that might be the situation, uh, unless, like you say, Mumba's fully back. Lucas Rook can play there, or, or they try and change the shape and uh, and, and go for wing backs. So. I guess it's it's quite a nice dilemma to have for Daniel, um, but but yeah, it's not ideal in terms of Max, really, because uh, yeah, as as you say, played the most minutes, probably needs a bit of a rest given given what's to come, um, a difficult schedule of fixtures ahead, so you you would want really to to rest him and preserve him for um, for the rest of the games this season, so. I would probably be inclined to suggest that maybe Lucas Rupp, given the other midfield options they have, that they could play uh, in in central areas, and probably allows him to get eased back in in a position where he can probably be defensively solid rather than getting up and down and and, and maybe nurse that hamstring a, a, a little bit as well. But um, we shall we shall see. I, I, you know, as as Pad said, it, it kind of shows the the options he has available to him, and and I'm sure he'd much rather have this sort of headache than what he had a few weeks ago in terms of okay. having very few or very few players available. So um, there's there's that side to it as well. Um, it'll also be good to see Jordan Hugo get some minutes um, because he's, he's not really... I mean, he's come on for sort of five, ten minutes, hasn't he? And with varying amount of impact, it'd be nice to see him exposed to a full game or to, to see how he gets on um, because since he's come back from his shoulder injury, he's not really had, he's, he's had scraps really, hasn't he, in terms of minutes, so we could see him get 90 minutes under his belt as well, so a lot of options, hopefully the, the injury bulletin is positive and, and Daniel can make uh, quite a few
0: changes. He did have the ball in the back of the net, of course, didn't he, Hugel, in injury time, uh, logged the keeper from but was just offside from an Alex Teddy, Pass, I think Teddy just he- hesitated for a half a second, didn't he, and that that meant Hugo had gone too early, but it, it was a nice finish, so that was, that was a shame for him, but for me, I'm pro- I'm probably making it too simplistic, but I, I think Aaron, Skip, Hanley, Pookie, and, and probably Buendia, uh, I don't want any of them playing next Saturday. I, I, ideally, I don't even want them in squad. I, I Like Pad said a, a few minutes ago, players like that who've been played as, as many minutes as they have, I'd literally be saying a few days off, boys, go and have your Christmas dinner now if you want. Go and have a couple of beers, have a few days, zone out, forget you're a footballer, come back in next Monday and then we'll crack on for the Cardiff game because... They, they have had a really punishing schedule, particularly, you know, Aaron and Skip, are the, I think, are the only two who have started every game, aren't they? Um, the others have had little bits and pieces, but I, I really wouldn't want to see them um, see them playing at all. So if that meant playing Omar Bamadili at right back or bringing Ethan Vaughan in from the under-23s, whatever it took to ensure Max gets a rest... Um, that would be my priority. Uh, now, Paddle, obviously, I know you don't get to sort of absorb Cov fully because you're you're so fully focused on Norwich, but you, you can sort of give us a little bit of a of an opposition view, can't you, in terms of where this game will sort of rank for them, but, but a good result for, for your boys on Saturday?
1: What was a good result, mate. Yeah, I'm just going to actually, I'm not being rude here, boys, although this won't really work on the podcast, but you can see I'm getting a phone here because my, my mate is a mad Cov fan, big fan of the show, actually, Rich. Shout out to Rich Higledon. Uh He messaged me last night. They basically won at Millwall yesterday, which which, given how obdurate Millwall were, were at Caro before Christmas. That's a very good result. Um, so Robbins, I think he's... a look at the table last night. They're kind of in that middle territory now. They're sort of X amount of points from the bottom three as they are from the top six. So for that's a team cool, yeah. newly um, promoted, he will take one or two points. But, uh, but basically Rich knows these things and he... Uh, he thinks they'll probably rest a couple of. I mean, if you go back to the league game, the the right back Fankaty Darbo was very good that day, very progressive. As Conor Riley says, probably more accurate to call him a wing back. They played a three, but he gave Sorenson a lot of trouble down the right hand side that day. Uh, now Rich reckons he'll probably get a rest. Um, Callum O'Hare, very young, uh, very talented attacking midfielder, um, who played uh, this weekend. He'll probably so I think. Maybe not to the same extent, but it sounds like Signal would suggest that maybe uh, you know, Cobb are looking to make a few changes as well. Because for different reasons their priority is staying in the division. For Norwich it's getting out of the division, but for Cov having I mean, come up out of League One, um, they probably don't need the distraction of a two or three, four round run in the FA Cup, um, however nice that would be and the financial element to it as well, perhaps. But I think you'll see probably his his approach will be to um, maybe ease out some of the Key players, but there's uh, Gustavo Hamer. He's probably the one to look out for. He didn't really put, I think Robbins didn't, didn't bring him on until late on in the second half at Carro, but but he is qu- quite an influential figure. He knits a lot of the play together. He's, without going down the, the route of where Cov have got themselves in the last sort of five to ten years, but he's the first one they've paid any real money for in the transfer market. They got him in from Dutch football in the summer, um, and he's got a little bit about him. Uh, so if he plays, he would be the one you'd need need to keep an eye on. But I think just you just have to go back to that Cairo game. They were they were very well organised on the day. They did catch Norwich at a very good time. I think that was peak injuries in terms of. I did not think they had a striker that day, did they? I think Marcus statement was in the false ten off the top yeah. of my head. And, yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Uh, Kruhl was obviously out and one or two others as well. So I think they caught probably Norwich at a good time. But as we've just discussed, it'll probably be a, not a too dissimilar Norwich lineup this weekend. But I think. It's uh, it feels like, and it probably will play out that it's two teams who, you know, if if either was to go out, I don't think they'd be crying too much at five o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So, um, for different reasons, but ultimately for the same reasons, for commentary, it's about the league this season, and uh, you know they're going in the right direction. So I don't I don't think we we'll, we'll probably see uh, the, the sort of levels of commitment from them, and that's not in terms of a negative, but just in terms of on the day at Cairo. Road, I thought they were very, very, very up for, you know, trying to give Norwich a bloody nose where I think, you know, this will probably be um, after you, sir, type of an affair. (laughs) Um, uh, And if that is the case, then, you know, I can't say I'm looking forward to it too much because I think it'll probably be one of those where it's just getting the game out of the way. And uh, for a Cov fan whose greatest day uh, will ever be for the 87 FA Cup win, you know, the FA Cup does mean quite a lot to a Coventry fan. So, um, it is a bit sad to see, but that's a different debate. That's a different podcast about the, the declining fortunes of the FA Cup as a competition. I just think um, for these two clubs it's all about the league this season and that'll probably be reflected in A, uh, the personnel on duty, and probably B the approach of the, the respective coaches as well.
0: Yeah, is the one that played the lovely pass, which led to the goal, isn't he? Um, at Carroy. Um and then the cross came in behind Matt's and it I've just got the the table here in front of me. Uh, they're 16, seven points clear of the relegation zone, although there, there is a few games in hand down down towards the bottom now. Um, but just just briefly, Pad, the two Norwich links at the Coventry end, Robbins obviously seems like he's doing a pretty good job from from afar. Who uh, he, he had a bit of a nomadic managerial career before he's had a bit of success with Cobb, but also Sam McCallum, obviously he won't be able to be involved. We're not expecting him to be recalled from, uh, during January, but um, he seems like he's been playing regularly and doing quite well. Have you sort of had much feedback from your mate about McCallum?
1: Yeah, they like it. Well, I mean, obviously he was, you know, Norwich got him from there last season when he was, you know, one of their standout players in, in that League One title winning season, as it turned out to be. Um, and, and I think... By all accounts, you know, I think there is there is competition for him. I don't think he's he's played every game, certainly. Um, but he's getting enough minutes clearly from Norwich's point of view. And and I think they sent him back there because A, they know he's going to be in very good hands with a coach who maybe sees the game as Daniel does to an extent in terms of how he wants to set about the task. Um Norwich felt he needed to work maybe a little bit on his defensive work. He hadn't he had any championship exposure, so he's he's getting that this season. And and you would hope, although, you know. The reality is, you know, time may move on. Norwich have said they want to bring in a left. we talking about we're talking about transfer windows and not a lot happening. There is clearly a commitment from Norwich to do some business in terms of a left back, and it will be interesting in terms of whether that's a short-term measure because you can't be completely confident Quintilla's body is going to hold up for the remainder of the season. You certainly can't rely on Jakob Sorensen to go from here to the end of May. um there has to be a question mark about whether he's going to come back anytime soon. So. If they go out in the market and actually bring in one with more of a longer-term view, where does that leave a Sam McCallum? So, these are the these are the things. You know, he didn't probably grasp his opportunity to loot in the, the only game he did play in that League Cup tie as opposed to the way at Barley Mumba really stepped forward that day. Um, Barley Mumba stayed in the building. Sam McCallum was allowed out. So, won't be involved this weekend. Obviously, the terms of that loan will, will preclude that. But um, I, th- I think he needed to go out and play because... You know he's a very young man who's come from that non-league background, and it's been quite a steep rise for him. So, um, but whether you know looking further forward, whether he comes back and he's Norwich's first choice left back, I'm not sure. Now I'm getting increasing sense that maybe it's one of those deals that probably won't quite work out in terms of he's he's a he's a first choice regular Norwich player in years to come. But who knows if he if he if he really puts his hands up over the rest of this championship season and heaven forbid, Norwich were still in the Championship next season. Then he does become a viable alternative uh, to whoever's here already. So, But Robbins, in terms of, yeah, they love him there as, as the Col fans. You know, he's, he's got on promotion twice. Uh, he, they won the Football League Trophy at Wembley as well. In happier times, both those Wembley games, it was thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 Col fans. You know, that th- they, they absolutely adore him. And uh, I think they just hope that he sees the job through. And ultimately for them... It's ambitious, but ultimately they're now one step away. They will, much like Norwich, try and get back to the Premier League because that's the only place, certainly for Coventry in terms of the finances, that they, they need to be operating at. And if you get into the Championship, we've seen it Huddersfield two or three years ago. You know, it's not always the most established and the biggest clubs in the league who, who can come through. It, you know, if you've got, a, as it seems to be building there, a philosophy and a culture and identity, um, and you find good recruitment, um, then you know it can be done. Norwich did it two years ago. By no means were they marked out as genuine promotion candidates. So I think, yeah, I think he's doing a fantastic job there. And if if he gets a third promotion and gets up to the Premier League, then uh, he'll probably go down as one of the one of, if not the best manager they've ever had. That's how highly I think they would rate him. And that okay. achievement.
0: There we go. Well, um, as as there is with Twitter, there's a lot of these. Complete tosh transfer accounts, EFL random accounts. And I saw one the other day saying that Norwich are recalling Sam McCallum because he's not starting enough games. Um, I've just, just double checked, although I, I did check the other day as well. Uh, he started 12 of the last 14 games. Um, so um, I think you can, uh, well, from what we hear, Sam McCallum's staying at Coventry. So as, Cobb's, uh, as Pad sort of laid it out there. Right, just finally, we're closing in on an hour. So I'm going to put this to you both quickly. Um, I've got a question. Uh, We'll finish on a transfer line. Uh, There was a question in the Pinkton.com live updates during the game yesterday. Do we need to, uh, do Norwich need to sign uh, a player in January just to kick them on the next level, like a Darren Huckabee style signing, a a striker or a winger, someone like that, who can just give them that one last push towards uh, the finishing line, a little bit more inspiration. Now, Personally, I, I said no because I, I think they've got such a big squad already, and that uh, unless they have any big injury issues in January or they lose someone to a big transfer or whatever, I'm happy with the squad. I think they got enough to kick on from. So, Connor, well, what about you? Do, do you would you like to see a, a, another signing being made? Two words, Emi Bounedjah. If they if they keep hold of him, he's the
2: difference. So um, I, I don't see any need really to to sign any player at the as well as a striker we could list the options I, I think they've got more than enough at the top end of the pitch Um, it'll just be about retaining those players so if they can keep all of them then I would say there's no need to do any business at the top end of the pitch I think mean, because we've kind of mapped out during this pod it's just sort of um hole filling a uh, uh, left back and, and in goal for me and uh, just uh, getting those those players back from injury and I think they'll have more than enough in terms of depth and in terms of quality to, to see out the second half of the season
1: and Pad finally yeah, no, absolutely. Retain rather than recruit is, is the watchwords for January. Um, don't see anybody out there, A, who they could bring in in terms of the finances who would improve that squad at the moment. And that's the key. And if you can't improve your squad, then what's the point in doing it, you know, uh, over and above needing to fill one or two holes? But uh, no, they're, they're four points clear as as we sit here today, uh, of, of, of 23 games gone, halfway stage. Um, they've proven that group of players, they're more than good enough. So let them run to the end of the season. Let's see where we are.
0: There we go. Well. How strange that we've been so dismissive of uh, the FA Cup when in June we were preparing for a quarterfinal <laughs> against Manchester United, eh? Um, but there we go. We'll have all the build up to that FA Cup game, and maybe that's probably the thing as well. It it takes even more pressure off that game because Norwich had a bit of success, rare success in the FA Cup uh, last season. Uh, it, it does feel like there's not a lot of pressure on it, and that we can just sort of uh, enjoy it, see what happens. And and, and as I said earlier, there, no tears will uh, will be cried if uh, if either team goes out. So. It'll be interesting to, to see what happens. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Pad Connor, thank you very much for your thoughts after that game. And and again, Happy New Year uh, to you. Thanks for, for listening to the pod. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. For now, it's a little bit of a brief from the Championship, but on to the world's greatest and oldest club competition. We'll have to see whether that gives us a nice little line as well. Thanks for listening.
1: From
2: true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com/channel/archant.